0: Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. I'm very, very pleased that you are here with me today. Happy Monday morning. Yes. Well, Monday afternoon already, yes, it's uh, here in New York City. It's just a couple of seconds after 12 noon. Um, For those of you who who are still kind of confused, I've moved my show up from the 1 p.m. slot. I know actually my commercial still says 1 p.m., but uh, I'll, I'll be cutting a new commercial soon, I promise, and we'll get that updated. You know, we've had some changes here at Talking Alternative since the beginning of the year, some shifting in programming, some old shows leaving, some new shows coming on board, and we have some more new stuff coming up for for you in the coming weeks. So please stay tuned. And of course, please go to our website, sign up for our newsletter so you can get all the latest announcements and you can uh, find out what's uh, going to be our topics of our shows on the coming weeks. So let's get started. I know you're all anxiously awaiting our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what the universe and Abraham have in store for us today. First, from the universe. Please don't let the wisdom you seek or the changes you wish to manifest be driven by feelings that you're somehow flawed, weak, or lacking. Because the ability to imagine change in spite of the illusions that surround you and move toward it without even knowing how your kingdom will come is the hallmark of perfection, strength, and divinity. As if crazy, sexy, cool wasn't already enough. The universe. Ah, We love our quotes from Mike Dooley in The Universe. And I especially love this one because this is something I really feel strongly about and and something I I have come to appreciate more and more, and that's really learning to not see things as something that has to be fixed. That just because we want to change does not mean we're broken, does not mean we're flawed, does not mean we're not perfect already. You know, there really is perfection In everything around us and I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it and I know when you're going through heartbreak it doesn't feel perfect to you and I know when you're going through struggles and trials that it really can be very challenging to see it as being perfect but that is only because we have such a short perspective on things Because the truth is, we really don't see the real long-term implications of our actions. And when I'm talking long-term, I don't just mean like next week, next month, next year. I'm talking 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 1,000 years from now. Humanity is evolving, and we're all playing a part in it. And just because we can't see how some trauma is really benefiting us in the long term is really just a part of our soul's evolution just because we don't have that perspective doesn't mean it's not there and it's so interesting if we can shift our perspective from one of difficulty and challenge and things are all just going wrong to one that even if I can't see it, it's actually perfect, let me try and find the perfection, that just making that little bit of change in our attitude and our focus and our intention makes a world of difference in how we feel and how we show up. And it's not that the challenges go away. It's not that the world all of a sudden changes overnight and things are amazingly different the next day. But we feel different about the world. But we show up differently. But we are the ones who are the magicians. And now when we show up to our life, it's the same life, but it feels different to us because we're showing up differently. So yes, even though there might be a million and one things about your life you want to change, there's nothing wrong with that. Desire is wonderful. Evolution is wonderful. But just because there is evolution, it does not mean things are not already perfect. They're perfect now. They'll be perfect 10 years from now. And they'll be perfect 1,000 years from now. So this is one quote I really love from the universe. I know usually I talk more about the Abraham quote than the universe quote, but this one it really speaks to my heart. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's see what Abraham has in store. You are all perfect and expanding. Hmm. See, these two quotes go together. You are all adored and worthy. You are all here having your exposure to experiences and doing the best that you can from where you are. You have not been sent here in a test or trial. You're here as creators, as part of an expanding universe. You can't have it both ways. You can't have, at the root of that which you are, well-being, and then have, at the same root of well-being, have the capacity pronounce you evil. It is vibrationally impossible that judging vengeful God is manufactured from humans' place of deepest despair, Abraham. And, and, you know, it's so interesting because these are two quotes that just came to my inbox this morning. I did not pull these out of specific dates in the past these are the, the the quotes of the day you can go to the the Mike Dooley and the universe's website at tut.com or you can go to Abraham's website at abraham-hicks.com and you can see that these two quotes are the quotes of the day for today and they're essentially saying the exact same thing we are perfect and expanding and that we are not evil and that this world is not evil, and this universe is not evil. Now, does that mean that the world is exactly the way we personally want it to be? No, but that's part of the evolution. That's part of the expansion. The world was not the way people wanted it to be, you know, 500 years ago. And the world is now a safer place for humanity than it was then. We we forget that this, this perspective of history and how things have evolved, and just because we're more aware of what is going on in the world, and we're more aware of disparity, and we're more aware of poverty, of of challenge, of you know the the, the horrors sometimes around the world, just because we're more aware of them does not mean there's more of them than there was in the past. There's actually less of them. There, there's a wonderful book called Pronoia, and, and in it there are some great statistics, and I can't remember them off the top of my head right now, but the world is less violent, the world is safer, the world is kinder, the world is more civilized than it has been at any point in our current recorded history of the last 6,000 years let that sink in for a minute the world is kinder more humane than it ever has been before yes i know when there's all this craziness going on in the middle east and all this talk of terrorism and all this other stuff it's hard to believe but that's only because of the skew of the focus because media outlets love to focus on the negative side because they know that's what it takes to get you to, to, to watch, to read, to tune in. You know, we think that's all there is. It's actually less than it has ever been before. So I know sometimes it may not feel that way, but nonetheless, the world is actually a perfect place doesn't mean it's not evolving doesn't mean we don't have desires to change it but it's perfect now and it will be perfect tomorrow as well and and i cannot think of two better quotes, or two more apropos quotes for today's guest. And I am very, very pleased to welcome Charmaine Hammond to the Conscious Consultant Hour. Charmaine is a transformational speaker, a best-selling author, who has helped thousands of people create their best life. In her career, she started off as a correctional officer, and then she returned to school to get a master's in conflict analysis and management. She then opened up a successful dispute resolution practice and facilitates some of the most challenging corporate and family situations. Now as a professional speaker and author, she helps businesses build resilient, inspired, and productive teams. She is on a mission to make the world a kinder place. And I am very, very pleased to talk about that with Charmaine Hammond. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Charmaine.
1: Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to being here.
0: Yes, yes. So I mean this is uh quite an interesting road you seem to have traveled. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, although I have met other corrections officers in the past, I, I don't think I know of any other any other person who started off as a corrections officer and ended up being a, a motivational speaker and author looking to make the world a kinder place. <laughs>
1: I'm the only one, am I?
0: <laughs> that I've met.
1: <laughs> that you've met. Yes, maybe there's one or it two more out It was an interesting there. journey.
0: Yeah, so tell me, how does one go from being a, a corrections officer to a uh, a um, an evangelist for, for kindness?
1: When I was a correctional officer, there was one thing that was missing, and it came obvious to me right away, and that was kindness. You know, we worked mm. in an environment that was intense and negative, And I remember all the messages of kindness that my family taught me. And I think that's part of the reason why I left the system and went into uh, working in an environment that was more helpful and supportive.
0: Mm. Yeah, because I think uh, working in a a prison or a jail is, is probably one of the least kind situations you can find, isn't it?
1: It was, and, and, you know, it constantly challenged my values. And, but what I took away from all of this, here's the upside. I took away a passion for helping people resolve conflict. And that correctional worker experience is what inspired me to then go into dispute resolution. I went back to school, got a master's, got trained up as a mediator, and all those skills that I had learned in the correctional system, I could now apply in a way that was serving other people coming from a place of kindness, and really fit with my values.
2: (laughs)
0: Mm. So what exactly, I mean, uh, I know you got a master's in conflict analysis and management. I mean, what does someone do with a master's in conflict analysis and management?
1: (laughs) We get to dive deep into other people's conflicts. Ah. (laughs) So really what I did when I took my master's degree, at that time I really wanted to help families resolve conflict. And I was facilitating um, separation agreements for parents who were separating. I was resolving conflicts for families between parents and teens. Mm -hmm. And then I also found that I could use the same skills and help organizations resolve conflict. That's where things got really rich for me. That's where I kind of stepped in Mm. both feet into my passion. Really what a mediator is doing is being an impartial third person person who facilitates a conversation that people have been avoiding or that people are finding that they keep bumping up against the issue. And the conflict and the conversation turn negative and hurtful. And having a mediator there actually allows you to more constructively say what you need to say and be able to hear things in a way perhaps that you hadn't heard them before. And I was so inspired by how this process worked over and over and over again and brought people to a healthy resolution and where they could infuse a bit more kindness into a relationship that perhaps had been pretty damaged.
0: Mm. So, so essentially uh, it's kind of like when, when two sides just couldn't come to any kind of agreement, then they would bring in somebody like you to kind of say, look, we can't figure this out. We need uh, somebody on the outside to help us get through this.
1: You got it, yeah, exactly. And the benefit of a mediator is that you know what it's like when we when we have struggles in life we're so wrapped up in the emotion and the history and sometimes the drama of it all that it's really hard to see the situation for what it is because there's all these other forces sort of clouding it and sometimes there's too many people now that have been involved and I saw that all the time in the workplace where one issue would ha- would start off with just two people there was a misunderstanding that happened at the coffee Uh, in the coffee room or the staff meeting and by them not talking about it, it festered and emotion started to build and then they went and told some friends who went and told some friends in the workplace and all of a sudden this little issue that could have been easily solved has now become an issue that's affecting the team. And I saw that over and over again. And, and the advantage of having somebody from the outside is we're not wrapped up in that emotion, history, or drama. We, we can simply facilitate to com- people to communicate effectively so that they can talk about what's being said. And in conflict, one of the things that really, um, in, I guess it always surprised me, is how quickly as humans we make assumptions. We yes. make them all the time, and yes. usually the assumptions we make are wrong. Yes. And then if we, if we act on them, now we've got another mess to clean up.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It's time for us to take a quick break. I want you to hold that thought there, and then I want to kind of, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about assumptions and then how you went from sort of being this, this conflict specialist to a, a professional speaker and an author, Okay
1: sounds
0: great wonderful Charmaine so everybody please stay tuned you're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity my guest this hour is Charmaine Hammond and we will be right back
3: you're listening to the Talking Alternative Network
2: Talking Alternative Radio 24 hours a day
0: And Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with Charmaine Hammond. So, Charmaine, uh, I kind of get it. Like, uh, um, you, you started working with teams, you know, after having all that experience with families and, and sort of getting a real background and understanding, like how to bring two sides of a disagreement together and seeing things in a in a different and impartial way. And then you started doing that for teams. Um, in, in, I'm assuming corporations and businesses, mm-hmm. small and large, correct?
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So, so how is handling a dispute in a corporation like handling a dispute in a family?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: what I learned is they're pretty much the same. <laughs> um, even in the workplace, we have um, emotion and history and drama and gossip and all those things that kind of fuel a conflict. We have those in family situations, too. One of the differences, though, is that people in the workplace are a little less likely to um, to say things that are really super damaging, whereas in families we tend to sort of speak as we see it and speak as we feel it and often have to go back and retract Um how our message landed on people. So there's a lot of similarities, even though the conflicts could be different in families. For example, when I was working with teenagers and parents, the most common conflict that I mediated was homework, uh, curfew, (laughs) and filling up the car with gas. And those all came down to issues of responsibility. And in the workplace, I used to see conflicts around issues of responsibility all the time, getting the job done, keeping your commitments, So there was a lot of similarities, and what I learned is that for most people, myself included, for most people conflict is rather uncomfortable and something that we want to avoid. And I'm right. I'm was very much the same way in my personal life that, you know, conflict was something that I would much rather ignore or avoid. And I learned it simply doesn't improve with time. There's a mm. great quote, it's not my own. Uh Judge Estee says, Conflict is not like wine. It does not improve with age <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. <laughs> So what do you feel is, are there any sort of common roots to conflict?
1: Mm. That is a great question. One of them is values. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many times I have facilitated conversations where at the root of it all Mm. was a real difference in people's values and real difference in people's needs. And when I teach mediation. Although I don't practice mediation anymore, I still teach and train on conflict and communication all the time. It's probably my most popular topic as a a speaker. And I teach people this analogy. Again, this is not my own, but it's a beautiful way to understand conflict. Mm. If you think about an iceberg, you've got just that little tip of the iceberg that's Mm. poking above the water. And that's what we know about a conflict. That's what we see. We see somebody behaving a certain way. We hear them speaking about a certain um, issue. Uh, in a specific way, but what we really have to do in conflict is imagine ourselves go, putting on a scuba outfit, scuba gear, and swimming underneath the water to see what's really going on with that iceberg, and those are what we call underlying interests, things like underlying values, underlying priorities, underlying hopes, fears, and needs, and it's those things that we, do, when we don't address those underlying issues... That's what gets in the way of a solution. Mm. So when you talked about at the root of it all, that's really what we're trying to do is, is get people talking, not at a surface level, at a solution level, mm. but getting them to share what's really going on and why they feel so strongly about a certain issue.
0: Wow, wow, okay, interesting, so because oftentimes i 've heard people say that communication is is one of the root causes that oftentimes it 's when communication kind of breaks down or isn 't clear that that tends to cause uh, is like an easy way for conflict to arise
1: i i would I agree with that, and when we don 't talk about the definition of words i 'll give you an example that this yeah. just happened uh, a couple of weeks ago in a training session. Uh, They were sharing an example, it was a workplace example, about two colleagues who had worked together forever. They were best friends, so had a really good relationship. And something happened in the workplace where they just disagreed. It was not a big issue, it wasn't that deep, but they, they didn't talk about it. And they started sharing with their colleagues how frustrated they were, but never had the conversation because they didn't want to damage the relationship. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, their actions were completely damaging the relationship. It was just a little misunderstanding that kind of blew up for them. And what happened when they were able to talk about it, they were throwing around words like, um, you don't trust me, you don't respect me. And then the argument would be, yes, I do respect you. No, I don't feel like you're respecting me. And they were going back and forth. And when somebody was able to ask them this brilliant question, what does respect mean to you? What they discovered was that they both see respect differently. One of them had a really sort of a, she calls herself an old style um, of employee, and so she says that respect is about following the rules and doing your job as you're told. Her colleague said respect is about treating people with dignity, treating people with a sense of um, belief in their abilities now those are two really different definitions and once they were able to talk about what respect meant to them the the whole conflict that happened started to to make sense and they made an agreement around when they have future disagreements together how they're now going to resolve it and address it Mm. but it took them a long time to get there
0: right 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 because if you don't really kind of question, well, what do you mean by that one word? Then you never really know that you're talking about, in a way, two different things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Interesting. Interesting. So now how did you go from kind of being a a, um, mediation master to a a motivational speaker?
1: (laughs) What was started to happen is that my corporate clients were seeing such great results that people would come into mediation at our office and they would be able to resolve the issue, improve the relationship, and even become more resilient. And so they saw benefits on this in the workplace, and I started to identify for them that there were many cases they were sending to mediation that didn't need to go there. And the reason they were coming to mediation was because people didn't have the skills or the confidence. Sometimes it's not a skill issue. Sometimes it's a sort of a confidence issue or not having belief that the organization will support you. And so I, it started out with one client. I said, I wonder what would happen if we were to just do a workshop on basic communication and basic conflict resolution. Well, it filled up immediately. Really? We actually had too many people for the room. And that was where this all began. And I, And when I stood up on that stage that day, I thought i'm home. <laughs> ah. This is what I want to be doing
0: yeah, yeah. there's nothing like the thrill of being on stage in front of a whole group of people and and knowing that they're appreciating everything you're giving them and and seeing their faces light up right
1: exactly
0: yeah, wonderful, wonderful, so then um. How did you go from kind of negotiating conflicts and mediation and teaching people how to deal with that to uh, focusing on kindness?
1: I, it was all because of a dog, a dog <laughs> and i mean nah. a, a dog <laughs> we adopted this dog uh, named toby who at the time was a five-year-old chesapeake bay retriever and i'm sure some listeners can relate to having a store uh, to the story of having a pet with issues uh-huh. and toby was perfect i love the quotes that you were sharing at the beginning of the show he was perfect when we brought him home and uh, six months after, when he passed his probationary period, right. <laughs> he turned into this house-wrecking dog. He destroyed our house, <laughs> thousands of dollars of damage, oh. <laughs> and we had to get him help.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. And, what kind and of help did And it was he that
1: get? help. He got a job, actually. He became a therapy dog. Ah. And it was, I, I know, it was a behaviorist that said, your dog needs a job. He needs a purpose. And it was our um, getting him a job and a purpose as a therapy dog at a mental health hospital that changed his life, and it changed mine, too. Wow, and that's where the kindness journeys that we've been on since then really happened. It was all because of Toby.
0: Wow, wow, that's interesting. That's interesting because you know most people, you know, if they had a dog and he was wrecking the house, they would just you know either keep him out in the yard or get rid of him. Uh, that's interesting that the, the 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 I guess animal animal behaviorist said you know this dog needs a job, and so once. Toby started being a, a, a therapy dog like the, the behavior at home completely changed
1: it it did he, he didn't destroy the house anymore um, it, it, he was calm he wasn't getting as frightened at noises outside and and I wasn't expecting him to be perfect anymore and ah. uh, we went <laughs> we went through these transitions and changes together and what really inspired me to actually do something was I remember walking into the hospital one day and, you know, Toby's eyes, when he, he, he barked the whole way from home mm. to the hospital, mm-hmm. he knew when Wednesdays at noon were that, that the time that we left for the hospital. Uh, and it just it got me thinking like, wow, this is really what passion looks like. Mm. And, you know, he would arrive at the hospital. And all I can say is it would feel like something magical happened. He would walk through those doors, let out two barks as if he's saying, I'm here, I've arrived. And then he simply exhibited kindness and presence and focus on people. And I watched the transition. What would happen to these people is this dog would come over and just put his head on their hand or in their lap and just look at them. And I thought, wow, this is what kindness looks like at its most basic, pure form. And I want to have a lot more of that in my life. And that's why I wrote a book about him, which then spiraled to other books. And it really got me thinking about what can I do myself and with Toby to make a difference through kindness.
0: Wow. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Great. So we've, we've laid the foundation. We're talking about kindness. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I want to really dig into, you know, what is your mission around kindness and and how do you think kindness can change the world? Perfect. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back.
3: You are listening to the talking alternative, <laughs>
2: alternative network
0: are you on a path of consciousness or spirit is personal or spiritual empowerment important to you i'm sam libowitz your conscious consultant And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We're talking with Charmaine Hammond all about kindness. So, Charmaine, so after you saw really how how your dog Toby... And, and, you know, dogs are such wonderful creatures and they they really are all about, in a way, giving love. And it's so funny that we're talking about it because just this weekend, not by my choice, my wife actually pulled up a movie on Netflix and we were watching... um, Hachi, a dog story that was. Um, oh, that's uh,
1: a beautiful movie.
0: Wonderful movie based on this uh, Japanese. It's actually based on a true story of this um, uh, Japanese, and I forget the type of dog it was, um, uh, the, that this professor in. in in Japan, um, had adopted this dog and it used to come and meet him at the train station every day. And then one day he had a heart attack and died. And the dog would still come to the train station every single day and wait for his master for nine years after he died. So, exhibiting such loyalty and such love for his master and not understanding that he wasn't going to come back. Um, so dogs are amazing, amazing teachers. So, so, after you saw sort of this, this profound example of how kindness can really help people to heal and, and help people to feel better, how, I mean, you, how do you look to, um, I guess, promote kindness in the world, and why do you think kindness is what the world needs more of? Not that I'm disagreeing, but...
1: You, know, you started the show off so beautifully around why the world needs kindness. We've, mm. There's lots going on in the world right now and yes. lots of things that are negative and pulling people down. And I've seen firsthand, and those of you listening, you've experienced it too, when someone just shows you that simple act of kindness. It could be someone holding the door open or... Um, smiling at you and you've just had a rotten day. Those simple, purest acts can be absolutely transformational. I always say that we never know what somebody's last five minutes were like. And I, um, about seven years ago, I held a big, huge conference in the community I lived in. And my job, in addition to organizing the conference, was to have a kindness booth and um so i went and got flowers and chocolates and cards and everything <laughs> that i could find from stores that would donate things to create an easy way for people to show kindness, and I enlisted the support of twelve wonderful teenagers, one of them who did not want anything to do with this. Her words were, this is just stupid, and she had her (laughs) arms crossed in front of her, and there was a lady in the conference that had two or three children, I can't remember if it was two or three, and they were both having full-blown-out tantrums. You know when kids lay on the ground and they do that stiff board thing and they refuse to get up? (laughs) Those children were just laying there crying. And um, I said to the young girl, what about if you went over and gave that lady one of the roses or something from the table? And the girl walked over and just put her her arm around the lady and said, it looks like you could use this. And she gave her her rose. And she said, have a great day. Can I help you? And the lady just melted. She actually kind of sunk down onto the floor and started to cry, and the teenager thought she had done something wrong, and I just, you know, put my hand, just wait there for a minute. And the lady got back up and hugged her, and what I overheard was her saying, you have no idea how, how your kindness has changed my day. I just found out my father-in-law is sick, and my husband lost his job. So here this lady, in five minutes, had had two life-changing things happen to her, and this girl's kindness changed it. And no. that and that kid became an ambassador for kindness. She came running back to the booth, grabbed everything up in her hand, and <laughs> started going around and spreading kindness to everybody because that experience transformed her.
0: I bet, I bet, yeah, I'm sure. And she became. You know, what, is, what is it? They say The converted or the most evangelical. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, re- it reminds me of. Um, there's this this uh, post going around on on, on Facebook of. Um, uh, somebody writing about how they were at a dunkin donuts and and they saw somebody I think they were like begging for money or something like that and they ended up like buying the guy a cup of coffee and a donut or something gave it to him and 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 the guy said you have no idea Le- left him like a little note on a napkin is like no idea how important what you did for me because I was contemplating killing myself that nobody cared and something like that and you know how this one little act of just you know giving this person a cup of coffee like kept them from from killing themselves
1: wow that that is so powerful when we hear those stories and it it just reinforces why we have to be as humans kind (laughs)
0: right and and the point is is really to be kind regardless of what other people are doing you know sometimes we were like, well, you know, I'll be kind when that person stops doing this. And we, and we kind of put conditions on our kindness. And that never really works, does it?
1: No, it doesn't. Because what happens is, and I used to see that in mediation all the time, where people would say, well, I'll change once I see them change.
2: Right. And the
1: problem with that is that, you know, we're waiting for them to change in a way that we think the change would happen. Yet that person has their own way of thinking, their own values, and they might have made the change based on their perspective, but it didn't match the other person, and therefore they think nobody's doing anything different. So you're right, we have to do that without conditions or expectations because of what it does for us, that it makes us feel good, it makes us feel integral with our values, and that it helps us change the world.
0: Right, right. And so, um, so how long ago did you really start this campaign for kindness?
1: Probably about, I think it started in my head in about 2010, but it, it started mm. to come out of my head about five years ago. And we, when I wrote my children's books about Toby, we began going into schools to do presentations, okay. and it was transformative formative for me wow. to see these kids with Toby. And wow. that's where it all started. And then that turned wow. into several kindness tours where we actually got in the car and went from community to community. And, and our most recent one was 14,000 kilometers, which is 10,000 miles wow. across North America in a big 32 foot motorhome.
0: <laughs> oh. wow. Doing the motorhome tour, eh?
1: That's right. Lots of kindness going on. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 So, what kinds of uh, effects have you heard of, like after you've done, you've come in and done, um, I don't know what you call it, a kindness workshop, a kindness uh, mm-hmm. event? Um, what kinds of stories have you gotten back afterwards of, of how it helped people or, or, or did it or didn't it?
1: In workplaces, I hear all the time that people are actually nicer to each other. And that's the word I hear. I'm using the word I hear from people that where there was just more, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like a positive feeling in the workplace, people helping one another out where they might have resisted that in -hmm. past. Um, I also see things like what they call the secret Santa where someone does a surprise Ah. kindness for someone and uh, makes their day the other quality that I'm hearing over and over again, which is so interesting for me, is that workplaces are saying they are seeing increased patience, people being more patient with one another.
2: Hmm, and I wow. think that's
1: a beautiful outcome because yeah. we live in this world where we're so rushed and there's so much stuff coming at us and so much noise on social media that we it's easy to get caught up in that fast-moving feeling. And when we can show patience to each other, it can reduce a lot of conflict and misunderstandings.
0: Wow, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Have you done any um, international kindness uh, projects?
1: We did. We've done some um, just in North America. So we live in Canada, uh, and now we live in the U.S. for part of the year to escape the cold, snowy (laughs) Canadian winters, to be honest.
2: (laughs) Yes, I don't blame (laughs) you. We we were able
1: to do that. But we also did a lot of um, what I'm going to call social kindness, where we were engaging people through the Internet, through Facebook, and through Twitter to be sharing their acts of kindness, things that they had done uh, to demonstrate kindness or... the, the kindness that they had received from other people. And that was really cool to have people sharing their stories or just circulating. Um, a, lot of, a lot of what happened after our kindness tour was people circulating good news stories and stories of kindness. There's one that stands out in my head. Uh, it's a, it was a pizza, uh, a, little, a little tiny pizza shop in New York. And he started noticing that there was a lot of people in his neighborhood that weren't eating properly. And he did kind of a pay it forward where people could come into the pizza shop and then they'd buy a slice of pizza to pay it forward. And they were using these sticky notes on the walls. And it was just so incredible to watch this energy that happened. So they would share things like that. Charmaine, hey, did you see this? And then I could be an ambassador of that particular post and Uh share that out through our circles. And what I noticed was that, you know, people got excited to share good news stories. It just feels good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it and it and it's very inspirational because when you hear of of what somebody else has achieved through being kind, it really encourages us to take some more chances and some more risks with being kind in situations that we might not have otherwise really mo- stepped forward. You got it. So so, what's your intention or your hope behind th- this kindness project? You know, five, ten years from now, what do you hope to see come from this?
2: Mm.
1: One of them is I'm writing a book, another book, and it's okay. going to be called A Million Acts of Kindness, One Dog's Mission to Change the World. Ah. <laughs> and it's going to be a story about all the kindness we received uh, on our tours but also the stories that people shared with us that need to be told because okay. they're so beautiful they're so rich and inspiring and then i you know my goal is really to be a part of a million acts of kindness while i'm on this planet okay. so whether i'm participating in other people's kindness whether i'm being an ambassador for for kindness that other people are doing but i know that when people start talking about kindness that's where change begins and if i can help create those conversations then I can help make a difference. And I I just have seen so many times where kindness has, has been what has changed or saved a person's life. And I know for me, if I think back to growing up, I was painfully shy. I didn't talk to anybody, hardly even my family. And now I speak for a living and I love doing radio (laughs) shows. As a child, it was horribly terrifying for me. And what stands out for me as, as now an adult, once a shy child, was people's kindness. And I can tell you story after story about, you know, my grade one teacher, my grade nine teacher, my grade six teachers, neighbors, friends and strangers who completely shaped my life and who I am today, and it came from one thing—kindness. Wow,
0: wow. Um, uh, so, just out of curiosity, the million act of min, million acts of kindness—do you have some kind of uh, registry or something where you're keeping track as people like start start saying, "Yeah, I did this act of kindness. I did that act of kindness," so we we know when we hit a million.
1: We do. We've got uh, on CharmaineHammond.com. Uh, We have a little uh, kindness counter where people can share their acts of kindness on there, and then we publish them onto our blog.
0: Oh, wonderful. Great, great. And uh, that's on on your website. We'll give it again. out again at the end of the show charmaine hammond which Perfect. is c-h-a-r-m-a-i-n-e-h-a-m-m-o-n-d.com okay so uh believe it or not it's time to take our last commercial break of the show and when we come back um i would like to talk a little bit about your books uh, particularly the gps one um and sort of let audience know what kinds of resources we have out for them okay Wonderful. Wonderful. So, everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consult Now, Awakening Humanity. We're talking with Charmaine Hammond, and we'll be right back.
3: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m., and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. Talkingalternative.com.
0: Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Um, We're here talking with Charmaine Hammond about uh, conflict, resolution, and kindness, and Toby the Wonder Dog. (laughs) Um, So Charmaine, you've written, uh, uh, besides children's books, you've written some other books as well, haven't you?
1: I sure have. One of them you mentioned, GPS, Your Best Life.
0: Yes yeah, so so tell us a little bit about that. How can we have a a good life, our best life, as you put it?
1: Oh, uh, well, I had so much fun writing that with my friend deborah kozowski we We got together and we started to look at what are all the things that we've learned from our mentors and from life itself that has helped us achieve what we wanted to achieve at where we are in our life right now and that's and that's what we did we We wrote a book based on our learnings and and wanted to pay that forward. One of the things that we can do is to be really super clear on what the life is that you want to create, mm-hmm. and and we use vision boards, Deborah and I, uh, to help picture what that life looks like so that we can feel what it would be like to have that life so i'll give you an example Uh, we were one of my visions was actually if you believe it or not about five years ago i did a vision board and i had a picture of a big huge winnebago motorhome on it (laughs) and it had a picture of ellen and oprah in the front seat with me (laughs)
2: Ah.
1: (laughs) and my dog and all it had was kindness i had written kindness on it now that was five years ago and i lost the vision board as we moved Ah. And when I launched this kindness tour, Deborah came running up to me, and she hugged me, and she said "Shar it 's all happening. Remember the vision board and I had forgotten about it mm. and she had She had taken a picture of it and reminded me what it looked like and I thought, "Wow, you know, five years earlier." And now Oprah and, I'll just say, Oprah and Ellen were not with me in the Winnebago. Mm.
2: (laughs) But but, But Toby was. you
1: know, five years ago, I was thinking about that and dreaming about it and planning for it in a sense, but hadn't really operationalized it. So GPS Your Best Life helps you get really clear on what it is you're trying to create in your life. And then we also talk about getting rid of what we call the junk in the trunk. It's kind of like a roadside manual for life. And we wrote the Mm. book about going on a journey. And so part of when we go on a journey in life, we have to know where we're going, know what we want to do when we get there, know how we're going to get there, who's coming with us. And that's the strategies that we used in our book.
0: Ah, interesting. Though sometimes it's fun to get lost along the way, because when you get lost in your way to a destination, you find something you never would have imagined, and it turns out to be quite interesting.
1: Beautifully said. It's so true. Sometimes we don't know we actually need to get lost for things to become clear. And you're right, it's in those moments of sometimes confusion or sometimes a little bit of fear. You know, we don't know where we're going, we're lost. We've, I, I can think of one example that Deborah and I were writing about with, um, with a GPS. And in our world, GPS stands for getting positioned for success. But we were talking about a real GPS, and probably lots of you listening have had this when you get lost in your vehicle and the GPS keeps saying, recalculating, recalculating, (laughs) (laughs) and and you're sort of feeling like you're going in circles. So sometimes to get back on the path, which might be a new path, we have to kind of be sort of comfortable being uncomfortable in that moment of confusion and not knowing where we're actually going. And I learned along the way that sometimes the goals we set for ourselves aren't actually the right goals. Yes. And it's when we get lost and that, that beautiful opportunity emerges for us.
0: Yes. And, and I've seen that in myself quite a bit that, you know, I've, I've taken a lot of personal development seminars and a lot of classes and different things. And for a long time, the kinds of things I was envisioning for myself were like the same kinds of things everybody was. Oh, the big home, the fancy car, the this, the that. And you know what? The truth is, what I've learned about myself is that wasn't what I really wanted in my life. Not that I don't want a good life. Not that I don't want a nice lifestyle. But that's not what really motivates me. What really motivates me is helping people, is building community, is helping to raise the consciousness of the planet. And so once I began to realize that a lot of those goals were really external, more what society thinks I should want, and I let that go, then things really started to change and and movement really just started to pick up in moving me towards the life that I really want, which is one where I'm helping hundreds and thousands and millions of people to raise their consciousness to heal from uh, past trauma and to help people to to really go out and, and live a loving and fulfilling life and so you know sometimes we have to be careful about with these goals that you know they're the goals our parents want for us they're the girls you know our next door neighbor has and 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 they're not necessarily our goals so it's really we have to get in touch with our authentic self and what really makes our heart sing not just what you know we think we want
1: yes that you know that you just said my journey
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> i often would set goals that i think i should have for whatever crazy reason right. and and then i would get resistance you know, and I learned that sometimes when you're, it's like trying to push a big snowball uphill. Uh, it takes a lot of work and you get a lot of resistance. And I, I think when you when you create what you've just said, you're on mm-hmm. track because it's what you really want. It's mm-hmm. not like pushing a snowball uphill. There isn't right. resistance. It just comes with ease, grace, and, right. and gives you a feeling of dignity.
0: Right. And then when you start doing the things, like as you talk about in the, the GPS book about the vision boards, because then it's really using your imagination to visualize the real life that you want. And that's really where... Um, the main mechanism for creating our life is using our imagination is seeing this because even though you forgot Mm -hmm. that you had that Winnebago in the in the vision board you know it was still there in your imagination in your unconscious and it's also sometimes at least i've seen being a, a, a law of attraction teacher and coach that you know it's when we completely forget about these things when we completely let go that then the universe brings these things to us because there is no resistance, like you just said.
1: Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think there's that importance of being really clear about what you want. And i give you an example. Yeah. About six years ago, we had said, wouldn't it be great... If my husband, Chris, retired at age 50, wouldn't that just be awesome? Mm. Well, he did retire at age 50, but not the way we wanted. It was when the economy <laughs> started to tank, and his company closed half of their offices around Canada. Wow. And so we thought, oh, we needed to be a little, a little more, more clear. clear
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 Wonderful. So so tell me, Charmaine, what, what's next for Charmaine Hammond? What was the future hold for Charmaine Hammond?
1: Oh, boy. Oh, I know it's going to include some writing. And we're not sure what our next kindness tour is going to look like now. We're, uh, we're wanting to do a virtual tour where we can reach out and visit countries virtually mm, that, yeah. that we can't get to physically. And, um, so each year we want to change how we do our tour. I really love driving across the country in the Winnebago, um, and would love to do that again. Mm. And, uh, and I, I think just continuing to teach people about kindness and living that in my own life.
0: Wow. Wonderful. Wonderful. And so if, if people want to learn more about you, get in touch with you, you know, find your books, where can they do all that?
1: The books are all on Amazon and you'll find them under my name, Charmaine Hammond. And then of course I'm really social on on social media, so I'd love it for people to come and stay connected with me on on Facebook and Twitter. And my website is CharmaineHammond.com.
0: Wonderful. And again, that's Charmaine S -S C ah, excuse me. C H A R M A I N E Hammond. H A M M O N D dot. And Charmaine, you know, you have to uh, let me know when uh, you're going to make it to New York City next so we can do some kindness stuff in person.
1: Oh, that would be wonderful. We could be in the kindness meal, travel kindness mobile, as we call it, right. traveling around <laughs> New York. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. Maybe I'll let you drive it though through New York.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was Maybe
1: thinking. we'll hire a driver for that right. day.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, I know someone who used to be a New York City taxi driver. I'd let him do the driving. <laughs>
1: okay, let's do that. <laughs>
0: yeah. it kind of reminds me. Like I definitely have, have, have ever since I saw the video um, about the, the the free hugs campaign. Which to mm-hmm. me, I thought, is, is just so wonderful um, that I, I really would love to to work with some people and just organize sort of a, a, a nice day in the springtime when it's warm outside to do a, a free hugs campaign throughout the city.
1: Oh, beautiful. Well, you can count me and I've got both hands up to volunteer for that.
0: Hey, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> and so how's Toby doing these days?
1: Well, we now have a new Toby in our life. Toby Sr. passed away when he was 11 a few years ago, and you can imagine the void that that left uh, for me. And I have a belief that animals find us when we're ready. Yes. And so this little guy, Toby Jr., uh, found us a couple of years ago. He's four. He doesn't wreck my house. I don't know what I'm going to write about. (laughs) He doesn't wreck my house. And this dog is on a mission just to bring people happiness. This dog is all about love me and play with me. Uh, That's his message. And so he was the dog that we took on this most recent tour just a couple of months ago. And he was just amazing um, yeah. on the tour, and people fell in love with him, and, and of course he fell in love with everybody that he met. Of course. Was quite of beautiful. Course.
0: No, but that's a great message. Play is so important. You know, as adults, we have a tendency to downplay the idea of play. So playing kindness. It'll be a playing kindness tour exactly <laughs> wonderful wonderful and so is this toby jr or toby two
1: <laughs> yeah it would toby two you know it's funny we we started calling him tj and toby jr and he just likes to answer to toby and ah, okay. um you know, he's he's just a great dog and just lots of fun and wonderful. and uh, found us at the time we were ready to to welcome some new love into our life
0: wonderful wonderful well Charmaine thank you for so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the show today I really appreciate it and uh, I really do look forward to one of these days we'll, we'll connect face to face
1: I would love that. And thank you so much for having me on the show. This was just wonderful.
0: You're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. And of course, if anybody listening, if you missed any part of the show, it will be up uh, by end of day today on the Conscious Consultant Hour archive page on TalkingAlternative.com. So make sure you go check it out. Thank you for listening. Next week coming up, we have a mystery guest, Dr. X, and we're going to be talking all about far out phenomena, aliens, UFOs, all kinds of crazy things from somebody. Who is a nuclear physicist but who will remain anonymous for fear of exposure? So, everyone, thank you for listening. Go out and have a wonderful, kind, and playful day, and we will talk to you next week.
3: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now.
0: Hey, all you crazy listeners looking to boost your business why not advertise on talking alternative with very reasonable rates interested simply email at info at talkingalternativecom.
2: You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative.
0: Are you on a path of consciousness or spirit? Is personal or spiritual empowerment important to you? I'm Sam Liebowitz, your conscious consultant.